I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. Uh, pretty psyched about this whole, this next interview coming up this, this week, Bionic. That should be a understatement, uh, because this is a, a show that really has been about a year in the making uh, mm-hmm. to come together. And we have a gentleman that I don't know if many of you all heard from. If you've been in ufology, in the UFO studies for a long time, it's a name that will ring a bell to you from some time ago, somebody who was relatively new to me. But you're going to find out why he suddenly has a relevance now today into our show. We've got this week uh, Reverend Ray Boucher, who was a theologian, a pastor, ufologist, a Fortean scientist, mm-hmm. and the author of a book, An Anthology of the Unexplained. And our our topic this week is a prominent investigator and pastor's evidence of direct government involvement in the occult. Wow, that's some that's some future quaking right there. And uh, that that is not uh, erroneous advertising. Okay, it's not that misleading is, advertising. This is your master's degree class in conspiratronics. Well, this is going to be a uh, in psychotronics and all the above. Yep. Um, this is the real deal, from best we can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, a gentleman with impeccable credentials, uh, highly regarded. Uh, in fact, evidently that was the reason why he was sought out by government officials. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to give the whole story away. In fact, in this first segment, you're not going to learn a lot of that. But where we're going with this is worth you hanging out for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to give eyewitness testimony of um, some things going on in the government that we have only speculated on, really. Yeah. Uh, and only had hints at. And and this was some time ago when this occurred. Uh, actually, he had direct first-hand evidence of our government involved in dark occult activities, Yeah, our, our military and intelligence communities. Yeah, basically a debriefing from the guys who were involved with it. Yeah, and we're going to get there. Uh, we need to lay some groundwork. In fact, you all need to be comfortable with who this person is because uh, the, these comments, this testimony, if it is accurate, um, it confirms and goes even beyond our worst fears. Uh, and it's something that uh, this gentleman comes from good uh, background and references, but I want you all to become familiar with him. Uh, he's somebody who I've had the pleasure to get to know a little bit over the last year in getting this interview set up, and I hope it's as meaningful to you as it is uh, to me uh, and to us. So mm-hmm. with no further ado, here's Reverend Ray Boucher, uh talking again about a pastor's evidence of direct government involvement in the occult, and then we'll be right back to wrap up here at Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom. Been looking for this in- looking forward to this interview for a while. Bionic. You know, that should be my middle name this week, too, because <laughs> I, for one, have definitely been looking forward, and it's been quite a struggle to get this arranged. Mm-hmm. Our ladies and gentlemen, as well as ourselves here in the studio, are in for an incredible treat this week, something that's going to be a real blessing. This week, we're talking with the Reverend Ray Boucher. Uh, theologian and pastor, as well as ufologist and Fortean scientist, uh, and also an author uh, of the Anthology of the Unexplained, amongst many other credentials. And we're going to be talking uh, this week uh, about a prominent investigator and pastor's evidence of direct government involvement in the occult. 
Not that this would be a topic we'd be interested in on a future Whoa. quake, but we will have yeah, to feign interest this yeah, week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first thing I need to ask you, Reverend Boucher, is am I, am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Yep, Boucher. Boucher, Boucher Reverend, Reverend Boucher. Boucher. I want to thank you so much for it's taking... Just, it really, uh, uh, Dr. Boucher, just Ray is fine. Just, That's fine. Okay, Ray. just just Ray. Just uh, Ray. Just Ray. Okay, I, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to visit with us here for what I think is a very critically important Future Quake show. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm sorry it's taken so long <laughs> for this to be able to work out. But, um, you know, I've got, I've got, as you know, my, I've got a lot of irons in the fire. And uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate uh, I appreciate the opportunity, and I'm glad we could uh, glad we get this uh, scheduled. Well, as our listeners will find out, this lots of irons in the fire is not a recent development with you. Uh, as you know, I have been pursuing you for, for our show for almost a year from the time we first met, and this was after uh, we heard Linda Moulton Howe on our show make an indirect reference to you uh, when she was here, and I subsequently reviewed the passage in her book that referred to you directly. And then after a little gumshoe detective work I did, I was able to finally contact you directly. Uh, and I know that your other responsibilities and duties, as well as other reasons possibly precluded your appearance uh, here until your uh, recent uh, arrangements to appear on our show. Uh, our listeners are going to find out now why I wanted to, wanted them to meet you and to be familiar with you uh, and your views and some of your experience so much is why to justify me taking so much effort uh, to try to facilitate your appearance for what I really expect to be an unforgettable show uh, today. Uh, this is going to become apparent over the course of the show, but can we begin by having you share with our listeners what you feel comfortable sharing about your current activities and responsibilities today? You bet. Um, I Boy, that's uh, those are some pretty lofty goals, uh, <laughs> expectations you set there. So I, I hope I don't let too many people down. Uh, well, my... Um, my current situation, I'm, I'm the associate pastor of a, of a large uh, evangelical church here in, in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, also work as a book designer. I uh, design book jackets and covers and text interiors and so on. Uh, keep as, as many fingers as I can in, uh, involved in research uh, into um, uh, some of the some of the stranger areas uh, of the paranormal. Uh, I don't have a lot of time to devote to it anymore, but um, I um, try to at least keep a finger on the pulse of, of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, um, and, and I appreciate you sharing that information with us, and I think your unique combination, your spiritual background, uh, your teaching background as well, um, uh, as your your interest in the kind of subjects we talk about here is why I think you have a unique contribution to make. Uh, I've certainly read a good bit of your writings, uh, not as many as I would like, but what I have read, I have been so impressed. Uh, one of your work was called Toward a Philosophy for Ten Research, uh, Critical Evaluation of Research in the Unexplained Phenomena, and I think this was published at the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena conference that was held at the University of Nebraska Center for Continuing Education. Is that correct? Yes. yes. Um, that began to be a... a, a sort of a discussion of um, the general techniques and philosophies of how to pursue truth in subjects, particularly difficult subjects, and it turned out to be one of the most cogent defenses uh, and apologetics for Christianity that I think I've ever read. 
Well, I, I'm, wow. I'm, 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 I'm flattered. I'm, I'm I, flattered. I would recommend anyone who was brother, on the brother Ray. He doesn't use those types of phrases lightly. So that must well, be one I didn't. I, I, I'm gonna have to read that. I, I, I want to recommend anybody who's on the fence about Christianity and wants an honest broker that would deal based on first principles of the pursuit of truth, uh, without a lot of jingoism, to get a hold of this. Uh, this particular paper. You know, I admit that I'm a latecomer to the ufology and related for TN Fields, um, which is basically the study of sort of, phenomena. yeah, unexplained phenomena. Uh, having had my interest stoked at the 2005 Ancient of Days conference at the Roswell UFO Festival, I, as a result, I was unaware of how you were such a key player worldwide in these fields not so long ago. And in fact, if you don't mind, I'd like to just read a really quick bio of you to give our listeners for a feel of the breadth of your impact in these fields, if you don't mind, if they're not familiar with you. Uh, you're the founder and former director of the uh, Fortean Research Center. Uh, Ray Boucher has, uh, I'm losing my view here, uh, has been involved in the study of unexplained phenomena since 1965. He served as Nebraska State Director for the Mutual UFO Network on the Board of Advisors for Citizens Against UFO Secrecy and in various capacities with numerous other organizations around the world involved in the study of unexplained phenomena. Uh, Boucher has delivered jury papers at two MUFON International Symposia, was retained by the University of Nebraska as a consultant to organize and present research papers at two major international conferences on the unexplained in 1982 and 83, and has had numerous articles published as well as a collection of his writings in Anthology of the Unexplained, uh, Boucher is well known as one of the primary investigators of the 1980 Bentwaters UK UFO incident, which is sort of like their Roswell in the UK. He's also yeah. recognized for his extensive work in the area of animal mutilations, out-of-place animal sightings, Bigfoot reports, the men in black phenomena, and occult religions and philosophies. Well, really, they're nothing of relevance to us in future yeah. quick, I think. My, he didn't even uh, say Rockefeller. All right. Uh, <laughs> his research has been cited in national publications such as Omni and Fate magazine and in books by researchers Lauren Coleman, uh, Janet and uh, Colin Board, and on and on. He has uh, contributed to the Time Life book series, Mysteries of the Unexplained, uh, the LBS Communications production, UFO Cover-Up Live for the Fox Television Network, and the Gannett's production home box office special, UFOs, One on Earth is Happening. He helped produce and host a popular weekly radio call-in talk show, Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, for three years. is a frequent guest on other talk shows and a popular speaker on the Unexplained. On the Unexplained. A graphic artist and book designer, uh, Mr. Boucher, or Boucher uh, holds a B.A. from Peru State College and a Master's of Theology degree from St. Mark's School of Divinity, a pastor and a reformed Episcopal Church at the time. Uh, Reverend Boucher, uh, uh, it was rector of Celebration Anglican Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. And that was a, an older uh, bio on you, just a regular common, very, very common kind of bio for most people uh, that we would that we'd have. You know, uh, one, one thing that was interesting that I found a unique combination you had was that your papers are, are, are so sophisticated, they're intelligent, they're philosophically enlightened, but they're boldly Christ-centered contributions in this field. Uh, we've had a number of people on here that loudly proclaim Christ in the ufology community, but no one makes it as explicit and direct on the end of your nose as your papers, what I've seen. And what's amazing is that you have maintained a consistently high standard of respect in the ufology community while at the same time doing that. Uh, and, in fact, uh, Linda Moulton Howe, both on our show and in her book, talks about you are someone who, who's... Uh, 
uh, reputation is unimpeachable, who sh- she trusts completely. And I think that that's a message for many Christians out there that uh, you need to, to be of, of high regard amongst all people. Like it says in the book of Acts, the early church was and others, mm-hmm. that when you, when you set high standards for yourself, you can maintain high regard even in the world, even though they may not fully embrace where you stand with Christ. Yeah. You can earn their respect, and then maybe things will come from there. Uh, before we begin our discussion, I know I could go on and on about your background. Can you explain why you got involved in these kind of strange fields in general? Uh, what kind of role you think you've played uniquely in the fields? And uh, maybe mention some of the important contributions you think you made. Well, I, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing. I I really got just intrigued by this when I was I'm not quite as old as I as maybe I sound. <laughs> I was 10 years old in 1965, but uh, I was was really captivated by some of the the, um, what are now kind of uh, signpost events in the history of of the UFO phenomena that that, uh, took place in 1965. There were the, oh gosh, the... well, Kecksburg had happened. There was the whole northeastern blackout of the power grid that was uh, uh, still a number of people think that it may have been uh, prompted by uh, at least there was an occurrence of a sighting of an unidentified flying object over a substation just before the uh, uh, the great blackout occurred. Uh, there were incidents in Exeter, New Hampshire that John Fuller wrote about in his book, The Incident at Exeter. Just a lot of things happening uh, in the mid '60s, and I just, as um, I suppose, <laughs> a precocious kid, I just, I was just very interested in uh, in what these things could be, and um, I had the the great uh, the great good fortune of um, being. Uh, in a sense, kind of mentored by, uh, or at least humored, <laughs> maybe that's a better way to put it, humored by some of the uh, uh, the, the, the big names in uh, uh, paranormal research at the time, J. Allen Hynek, Ivan T. Mm-hmm. Sanderson, uh, John Keel, some uh, some folks like that, mm. uh, who, as I say, kind of you know humored the kid from Nebraska and uh, sort of uh, stoked my interest and really helped me to understand how to look at things in an objective scientific view. Um, as I um, uh, got a little older and uh, got into high school, I was, uh, I've always been, it's interesting that you, you pick my, my fascination with, uh, with arguments for the truth, because that was, uh, that was one of the driving, driving forces in, uh, in my own uh, spiritual and, and intellectual development was what um, you know. What constitutes truth? What is true? There are so many, uh, so many faiths, so many man-made religions, so many approaches to spirituality. But what is actually true? And um, I, uh, boy, I explored a lot of different avenues in my uh, in my adolescence and, and young adulthood, and. Um, then uh, my uh, my senior year of high school, my uh, uh, my choir director had uh, taken quite an quite an interest in me and was working hard to evangelize me. 
And uh, I was resisting pretty uh, pretty stoutly for a while. And um, he'd uh, he'd given me a copy of um, uh, Hal Lindsey's uh, Satan is Alive and Well on Planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And there's just one passage in there that um, I mean I I mean I was raised in the church. I you know I had a I had a I had knowledge of what Christianity was all about. I could have explained the gospel to you, but it didn't really connect with me until a passage from Hal Lindsey's book, and I realized, oh, God chose to punish His own son instead of me, and I, why I why I had never mm-hmm. why I had never uh, been able to grasp that before is to me is just a perfect testament that uh, yeah it, it takes the Holy Spirit to enliven a heart and uh, help us to see uh, help us to see what we need. But uh, God was gracious, and uh, I um, uh, was uh, mentored by uh, by Ron Goodspeed, who was uh, a very godly man, and who's since gone on to be with the Lord. But uh, I uh, I owe uh, an incredible debt to, to him. Uh, he was uh, a huge influence in my life. But um, went on to college, got married. Um, Kind of kept uh, my my hand in some research. Um, cattle mutilations were uh, really hopping while I was in college, especially particularly here in the Midwest in the mid seventies. Um, did a lot of research. Probably, mm, I would guess now eh, 100, 150 cattle mutilations around uh, the general area here wow. that, uh, wow. that I investigated. Um, other things, uh, out-of-place animal sightings, uh, Bigfoot-like uh, creatures. I basically, you could, uh, I hate to use the term Bigfoot, but uh, hairy bipedal humanoids <laughs> might be the best generic term for them. But there's just a lot of odd things that had happened. Um, as, uh, uh, as as time went on, I began to realize, you know, there's uh, there, there's definitely something uh, something to this, and there is. It was always apparent to me that there's a very much spiritual element to uh, uh, to people who get involved either as percipients of these phenomena or as researchers of them. And it's, boy, it's just very seldom a positive thing. It's mm-hmm. um, yeah. it's it's very much a generally speaking. Some very negative things happen. Some people recover from it fine. Uh, some people. Uh, just sink down into a mire that they're never able to pull themselves back out of. Uh, it's a, but it's a, it's a, it's a very sensitive area. Uh, I began to think as, as I, uh, God was really kind of, kind of working on me that, um, you know, the, the people who have such a vested interest in these types of phenomena are by and large not particularly well-grounded in Christianity. There are, I mean, there are a number, a number of what I would consider nominal Christians. To put it mildly. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the, uh, the range uh, goes all the way from uh, uh, as, as, uh, uh, as much of an antichrist position <laughs> as you could take mm-hmm. to uh, a, few, a few evangelical, uh, evangelically-minded mm-hmm. folks out there. But for the most part, it's not... Um, uh, it's just not addressed seriously by the Christian community. Christianity isn't taken seriously by this community. And right. I thought, you know, there's everybody's looking for the truth. Everybody wants 
to try and get a handle on what's true. I'm convinced after so many years that um, the people who have these experiences are not describing hallucinations. They're not... Uh, uh, they are describing real events which have occurred. Um, they're inexplicable. We don't know exactly what they are. All we know is these events were perceived by a given person in this fashion. And um, I, there's, I mean, there's a few, there's some deception, some hoaxes and so on out there that you have to kind of weed out uh, to get a, uh, get get the, uh, the the true signal out of the noise, but for the most part, people who have these uh, these experiences are absolutely baffled because it's completely outside the realm of of everyday life. They don't know what uh, they don't know what's happened to them, um, and they start searching for answers. So I was really really felt led to um, to begin an apologetics ministry in the late uh, mid to late eighties called Reasonable Defense. And I was um, beginning then to turn uh, my research more toward um, let's look at some foundational things. Let's look at uh, at how we gauge the truth. Um, what kind of standards do we use? How do we arrive at uh, how do we arrive at the truth? Um, there's just it's such a it's such a broad broad field. Um, there was. Um, but now, now while you were doing this, you earned the respect of the UFO field, other areas of paranormal, just by the skill and 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 the the the, the capabilities that you had to be an honest broker and scientist in these fields. I mean, you don't get to be a straight state director and move on without not knowing your stuff or being seen being an honest broker. Well, I you know I there. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, you know, there's, I don't, uh, how do I, how do I say this and sound <laughs> appropriately charitable as a pastor? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess the only way to say it, when it comes to some things, I don't suffer fools gladly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some things that are very serious, and if I have a ministerial colleague who I think is way off base. Scripturally, I'm going to let them know uh, if I if I'm dealing with um, uh, something a situation in the, the paranormal field, and someone is um, intentionally or not, but they're missing the big picture. They're you know they're distorting the data to fit a preconceived idea. Um, I just I can't I can't let that stand. So I try to be. Um, I guess I, I try to be pretty rigorous. I, I guess yeah. the, the message then from your experience is that uh, Christians do not need to be afraid of the truth, or afraid that somehow it's going to take them somewhere that they would not want to go as a Christian to pursue truth, because truth are going to lead you right to the feet of Jesus when you get that's, there. That's, that's exactly right. And I we, mean, yeah, there's um, you, you have uh, you, know, you have the argument about the um, uh, the tension between science. And religion, and to me, I think that's that's a false argument because I don't believe there's any tension there. They're both seeking truth. Science is looking at it in a, in a naturalistic, mechanistic way. Christianity is looking at how do we explain this world in 
a spiritual theological way. So we're both after the same thing. We're just taking two different approaches to it. Right. Um, the truth that we discover in science, the truth that we discover uh, in Christianity, are ultimately grounded in the same source of ultimate truth, and that's Jesus Christ. Well, you know, uh, your your experience, um, I, in just trying to divulge to find out a little bit more about you and some quick research for the show, I mean, your experience took you to talking with senators, uh, talking with top government officials about things like Rendlesham Forest and what happened with this very, very important uh, event, UFO event over in England. Uh, it puts you sort of in the spotlight. Uh, and now I see your name pop up everywhere, uh, and, and particularly in, in writings and things like this, and like these uh, journal papers and things like this. And I really suggest all our Futurians look into that. Uh, and, and I want to come back later, uh, and, and if not in this show, a little later, and let's explore some of these these issues, particularly in apologetics related to this further. But if you don't mind, I'd like to get into the subject matter of what led me to contact you. Uh, you, you you know you you're gonna have to you know you know what pastors are like. So you <laughs> you yeah. are, you you ring the gong and get my well, attention if you want me if you want to switch subjects here. We 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 get a lot of them on our show and believe me we're I mean we're that same way ourselves here. We're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future and Tom, ready for the big setup, Bionic. Well, what we did in this segment, as we we said at the beginning of the show, was try to establish the credibility credentials of Mr. Boucher, uh, which really he needs no uh, you know such affirmation. He was uh, extremely well known as probably one of the most influential figures in ufology. For, for a long time. Uh, a long period of time, up through at least through the middle 90s. Yeah. Uh, and uh, really before I really got involved in knowing, so it's really my ignorance of things and why I was not more you know, aware of his impact. You know what I found interesting is that during this first part of the interview, I found parts of his story that both of us could relate to. You know, this deep, we had talked, we've talked at length sort of about the whole thing with my journey of truth, mm-hmm. right, which he got into a little bit. Yeah. Uh, as well as your sort of, uh, you know, you were really influenced by the Hal Lindsey books. And you yeah. mentioned that oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you need to just uh, Google him. It's B-O-E-C-H-E. And try to get some of his papers that are published online if they're PDF files. Um, they talk about UFO, strange things. But then they get into a defense of, of philosophy and truth and the search for absolute truth and how it leads to the footsteps of Jesus. Uh, and you will say hallelujah when you read it. Generally. This man is one of the best defenders of of Christ and the gospel message of anyone I've ever met. You know, that really, you, it's funny you mention that because um, you saying that really reminded me of something that Brother Chris says a lot. He says, uh, researching truth leads you to the foot of Jesus or the feet of Satan, <laughs> depending on yeah. how serious you are about truth. Well, and you need to find the real truth. and They'll set you free. Mm-hmm. Somebody else who uh, can at least inform you is Merv that, that can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. 
Okay, we got to go. All right, let's get out of here. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, come back. It's going to get very interesting this week. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Woe Bionic. Is that W-O-A-H? Yeah, W-H-O-A. Yeah, that's right. I was exclamation there. Uh, There's a reason why he's saying that, because we have a very memorable interview going on this week with a gentleman by the name of Reverend Ray Boucher, who is a theologian and a pastor, but also a prominent ufologist and Fortean scientist of the unexplained and paranormal, uh, author of the book Anthology of the Unexplained, and we're going to be talking about uh, his evidence uh, of direct government involvement in the occult. Uh, our worst fears realized. That's he where has, the woe came from in my, my middle name. And this segment is one where we start right into that at the beginning of this and put the cards on the table. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, listen very closely to your radios. Listen carefully to what you hear, and um, it'll give you something you won't forget. And then we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. I, I want to uh, to talk a little bit about the subject matter that uh, is going to captivate even some of the most hardened Futurians we have here who think they've seen and heard it all. Uh, but I wanted to establish your credibility uh, as as a Christian and also as a scientist as a person who testifies, who writes journal papers that uh, have to have the highest level of uh, rigor behind them, uh, because what you're going to tell us is something that's pretty fantastic. Um, focusing on this incident uh, that, that you recited by Mrs. Howe in her book, can you begin by explaining uh, when and how you were contacted by two government officials in 1991 and who they were and why did they contact you? Well, I can uh, I, I can give you some of that. I can't give you who they were because I um, uh, promised uh, promised that I would uh, I would maintain their anonymity, which is always a problematic thing to do because if you can't, <laughs> if you can't if you can't identify the source, how does anybody else begin to trust it? And my do, my do, you, only do you still remember who they are? Oh yeah, and something yeah. Bernie. Man. Now, now she mentioned on our show that one was a an NSA official and one was a DOD official on our show. That's, that was um, that was how they were presented to me, how their credentials were presented. And they showed yeah. you credentials; they looked legitimate, like these people really were. I mean, you, you're an investigator of phenomena, so you're going to have a an eye, you know, for detail uh, and also skepticism. I, but they 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 met your sniff test. Yeah, they did. Okay. They did, and I was able to um, to pick up a little bit of uh, um, confirmation from from some other sources, uh, friends that I I developed in the intelligence community who were not able to tell me a whole lot, but um, everything I was able to learn seemed to indicate that these men were who they claimed to be. Okay. So, that, I was actually contacted by them in um, uh, early November, I believe, of 1991, and uh, contacted by, uh, by by phone, and uh, we met for um, we met for lunch, and um, you're in Lincoln, right? Here in Lincoln, 
mm-hmm. like, and they happen to be. Uh, my assumption always was that they were in the area because of work uh, that was taking place with which they were involved or perhaps meeting something of that nature at Mm -hmm. uh, Strategic Air Command Headquarters in Bellevue, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Um, But we met uh, first on on November 25th, 1991. Um, Had another, a second face-to-face meeting in uh, uh, mid to late January of 1992. The other contact I had was all by telephone. And uh, I was... The only way that I was able to contact them was uh, I was given a phone number where I could leave a message, and then if they decided to return my call, they did. If not, I was out of luck. So it, uh, I mean, it was all it was all a very mysterious sort of thing, and I had I mean, had a lot of misgivings at the beginning about you know, well, who, mm-hmm. who are these guys? What are they? What do they want? It. And I'm and asking you to recount a story that's 18 and a half years ago, just to put in perspective, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the, one of the more interesting things I've been involved with, but it's still, <laughs> it does, it's not something I think about every day, so. Right. Uh, so why but, you? Yeah, exactly. That was, I mean, that was my main thing. Why, why me? And there were, I could have, and I even, I even made that suggestion to them that, you know, I can, I can point you in the direction of, you know, a dozen other people who are more prominent than I am, who could probably do more good. But it seemed, according to them, that uh, what they were interested in was um, was dealing with someone who who understood um, Christianity, who understood the concept of spiritual warfare, who mm-hmm. understood. Um, sort of the, uh, I, I guess for a lack of a better way to put it, some of the, the philosophical underpinnings of the occult versus Christianity. Yeah. Now you said these men were Christian, right? I yes. Read. Yes, they were. They, they, well, they maintained that they were both believers, and I have no reason to doubt them. Okay. Okay. But how did they even find out who you were, or why they thought you would be relevant to what they do? I I have no I really don't know for certain how they were able to find me. I mean and you're I, published and everything, but your, yeah, your name I mean, was out there. But my name was out there, and you know I think uh, I had uh, by that by that time I think I probably ruffled enough feathers in uh, uh, in Washington that uh, a number of people probably knew. I was around. In fact, I uh, think that, I, I read one reference that said, I believe the, the actual UK UFO incident I was talking about, in your direct involvement, had gotten attention in, in inner circles, and that was yes. possibly one venue and how they were aware of you. Yes, and some of the, some of the contact that I had had with uh, uh, the uh, then-senator from Nebraska, uh, G. James Exxon, and, um, who was on the uh, Senate Armed Services Subcommittee that, that dealt with some of these ancillary issues, mm-hmm. but uh, I've had a lot of contact with the senator and, and his office in Washington, and a number of things came up through that. That um, okay. I mean, I was essentially I was essentially told by one of his staff aides that um, they had done an extensive background check on me, and so I I have the feeling because of the sensitive areas we were touching on, a lot of folks probably had some idea who I was. Okay. All right. So what did they want to share with you that was so important? 
Well, they they really began it by saying that they were they really felt that they were in um, kind of a moral dilemma because they were <clears throat> they were involved with these issues or this research and um, had uh, had been for a number of years and I very much gave the impression that what had started out as purely investigatory um, had sort of grown and morphed and mutated over the years into something that I, I mean, I can really only describe it as um, officially sanctioned ritual magic, given the way they described it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so our own military had gone from, and, and I guess this was to maintain some kind of Cold War military advantage by trying to get extra-dimensional power. Somehow they had been they had bought into the fact that there was something there worth tapping into. Yes, and I, I, and I think you know there's there's some um, some uh, disagreement now as more and more documentation comes out. But there was a there was a lot of interest among uh, the CIA and the NSA and the military regarding um, things such as remote viewing. Right. And for instance, the movie that came out not too long right. ago, The Men Who Scared Goats, um, based on based on real events. Um, it's it's sort of a uh, take that uh, that kind of situation and uh, multiply it many okay. times, and that's the sort of thing that they were working on. Okay. Wow. So now, originally, they were using, if I remember right, there was some physics techniques uh, cited by a physics author, David Baum or Bohm, uh, <laughs> that they used as a technique, but they sort of ran into a roadblock. Is that right? On well, actually, what they were, what they were. What they were citing David Bohm for was they they had seen his work in the area, and I can't even begin to explain what they are other than name them for you, the Fourier transforms. Right. Um, right. <laughs> I, 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 read, I read the gory details on that, and having had a lot of graduate mathematics, uh, it I understand the general purpose of how you can use it to sort of reform back a chaotic system back to where its origins are, uh, but it's really just a model. But I tell you, that was an awfully complex model to try to do what they were saying to do. Yes, yes. It, I mean, that's that's the impression I got. I, you can obviously, I'm I'm no mathematician. <laughs> well, I've used Fourier. I've used Fourier transforms, but for very s- simple kind of things, and that's why they're normally used in science is for much simpler signal processing. Sure. Well, what and what uh, what these what these gentlemen were talking about in regards to Bohm was that this was the closest Bohm's work, Bohm's theoretical process here was the closest uh, uh, mechanism that they could describe as to how this could actually happen. Mm-hmm. So that was that was sort of their. Um, and they weren't saying that you know that Bohm's uh, Bohm's work had all the answers. But that um, that might be the the most likely mechanism to be able to explain it. Okay. But now there's so, what they said is that it was not sufficient to take them where they wanted to get, and they actually got into some form of ritual magic, like Aleister Crowley kind of thing, tapping yeah. into some dark forces. They believed at least these Christian people evidently had the uh, the the understanding to understand what they were actually encountering. I mean, yeah. that it was evil, in other words. And I think what uh, now the, the distinct the distinct impression 
was that these these two gentlemen were not involved in sort of the more esoteric efforts, the actual ritual magic sorts of things. They were much more physical scientists who were trying to discover the mechanism. You know, how do we um, uh, how do we take this this unknown process that happens and uh, quantify it and objectify it and build a machine that's capable of doing it mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in very simple terms. Um, but they were certainly aware of what was happening in terms of um, the uh, very much the the incidence of of ritual magic to it to try and attain these ends and to try and and uh, make contact with these uh, these forces. Now, uh, before our, any of our listeners, particularly our newer listeners, might uh, uh, say this is just a little too much to believe, I'd, I'd like to remind them that that a major player in the NSA, just what little we know of, Michael Aquino. Uh, was the one the founder of the Temple of Set? Yeah, right? he's the top. He's the top general, uh, as far as I'm aware, of the NSA and believes in all of this stuff. So, uh, to say that to say that the the high ups yeah. don't believe it is is just and, sort of and he did false. ritual magic. Yeah. He advertised yeah. that. Like he among wrote other new, things, right? Yeah. And so that's just one example mm-hmm. where we we shouldn't be shocked at all that there should be a connection there, even though it still feels shocking yeah. to hear a report. Of having you know officials come forward to you and say, "Yep, uh, this is a technique that they're using." And you know, it gives me a little flashback, Ray, to uh, a movie that was out a couple of years ago. I don't see many movies, but I happen to see movie The Mist. Uh, yes. And again, I don't even much into Stephen King, but I happen to see it, and it gave this indication of. And you don't find out in the beginning of the movie until things really go bad that the military has been doing some experiments of opening dimensional portals. And, of course, they ran over their head, and something came out they couldn't control. And it was devastating their part of the country and everywhere else, maybe. And that's almost what it felt like to me, is that they were getting into things because there were some real negative consequences to what they were doing, correct? I mean, and, and let me clarify. There were actually things like human sacrifices going on as part of this, correct? Yes, yes. I, I, and according I, to I, their I, testimony. According to their testimony, you know, and again, I mean, I have to, I have to emphasize, I, I was never able to prove any of this. Mm-hmm. This is still essentially just hearsay. But, but it's their testimony of, to you. Yes, this is their testimony to me. There's, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of ancillary evidence out there that tends to support. Uh, their view as at least one valid interpretation. Whether uh, how much of this really happened, I don't know. Am I the victim of disinformation? Could be, but there again, you know, boy, there were there were and are a lot of people who have much bigger audiences than I do in order to spread disinformation. What so would they have, I, What would they have accomplished if it had been disinformation? That's a you know that's an excellent question. Uh, generally, in terms of, of disinformation like this, it would be just enough truth to draw you away from what they really wanted to conceal. I, ca- I can't think this would be something that would show them in a more favorable light. That would <laughs> that would cover cover up something even worse. I can't imagine you, that. You, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't think. It's yeah. a, I mean, it's a it is a baff, it's a baffling situation and. I, I mean, I respect anyone's 
uh, reticence to, to believe this or, or uh, a view of this as just absolutely fantastic because it certainly is, and I, I wish I had more answers, but I, mm-hmm. I don't. But now, didn't they say that it ha- this contact with these dark forces had a negative consequence on the researchers themselves? They, they indicated that uh, essentially everyone who was involved with this, um, whether they were um, attempting to do excuse me, attempting to do something, create a positive outcome or a negative outcome. Uh, but everyone who was involved with this had um, essentially extraordinarily negative things begin to happen to them. And it really seems, from their description, to be uh, perfect accounts of, of uh, what you would, what we in the, in, the, in the evangelical Christian community would think of as demonic oppression or possession. Mm-hmm. This was the bad thing when the genie got out of the bottle, and it exactly. was no, no longer behaving like they thought, where they couldn't exploit it, and suddenly it was exploiting them. Exactly. Now, exactly. now I understand if I if I read right that that suicides had happened, and that even uh, chaplains had to have been brought in to do exorcisms and things like this. Um, you know, that's uh, I, I noticed that in the uh, in the notes. I don't. I honestly don't recall right now. I'm looking back through my notes. Um, I don't recall anything about the mentioning chapels. They may have. Right. Uh, but um, there were there were incredibly uh, negative things that had uh, that had begun to uh, affect uh, the researchers themselves. Their concern was mainly because these people who were involved with the uh, the more how should we put it, the more ritualistic aspects, were all friends of theirs. Hmm. Other fellow fellow scientists and researchers uh, who didn't share their concerns or their scruples and um, were, not, um, were not faring well as the research progressed. Did, did they give any description of, of how these manifestations made them known or... Any details of what they set up and what happened as a consequence? In terms of actually encountering the... Right, these what, entities? What they, the entities, they, they termed the entities NHEs, non-human entities, um, because that was, uh, I mean, I would, <laughs> I would have called them demonic, but uh, for um, objectivity's sake, in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a scientific experiment, all they could say was these are entities. They react with us. Uh, we can uh, we can have a back and forth um, communication. So they're obviously sentient beings, but they're not human. So consequently, they refer to them as as, as NEGs, not human entities. Huh. Um, I mean, were they were they, they hearing were, them by like channeling, or you know, how, how were they hearing the messages back to you? There was there were various various methods. There were some instances where, um, very much akin to the experiments that were done by, I believe it was a Lithuanian uh, scientist, Konstantin Raudive, um, who was attempting to, he believed, contact the dead by uh, radio waves. 
uh, Edison was uh, was interested in that as well uh, early on uh, with with radio. But um, essentially, the same sort of thing that you see described as EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, uh, voices and so on being okay. recorded uh, in answering direct questions and so on, but not necessarily audible to the human ear when the answer is given, but the, the voice is imprinted on a recording device of some kind. Okay. Mm. You know, this is sounding more and more like one of those classic uh, shows from um, uh, The Outer Limits, you know, where you have these scientists that would build these machines and they would contact other dimensions and things like that. And, you know, that whole thought and idea goes back to even people like H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, mm-hmm. I think, who's written things like From Beyond and others that used machines by which to make contact with the side through stimulating the pineal gland and things like this. So, so, so they were actually uh, seriously taking on these kind of things and hearing back. And so they were getting information back. I assume some of it must have been useful for their pursuit. But then something was changing the physiology or the mental state of some of the, the researchers and subjects. Have I got that right? Well, the, the researchers were starting to uh, to experience what... Um, what I found, I mean, very typical, um, typical results that people will experience if they begin to, um, uh, say, get involved with the occult. Um, kids play with Ouija boards and everything's right. fine for a while, and then suddenly uh, things start to turn nasty. Um, again, in um, interestingly, in the uh, uh, in the 60s, there were a number of uh, instances of police officers, particularly, and this is, uh, to me anyway, at least interesting, a number of police officers who would chase UFOs in the course of their, in the course of their job. They'd, someone would call in with a report. There was a, um, a man named Dale Spower in uh, Ohio. Uh, there was a, a fellow in Ashland, Nebraska, named Herb Shermer, um, both of whom, police officers, encountered these things on their jobs, uh, both essentially complete mental collapses in a sense. Their lives absolutely fell apart. They became obsessed with uh, with these things, terrible bouts of depression. Um, and I, I guess probably obsession would be the best way to put it, um, trying, to, trying to understand what had happened, but... Um, Never able to come to um, uh, to any sort of resolution, and it um, it simply ate away at their at their minds. Hmm. Okay, and so they were concerned that things were going to get out of hand further. I mean, were they were they worried about some kind of apocalyptic thing or something that would get even get outside of the bounds of their immediate friends or something open that would not be closed? I would I would say yes. That was very much their uh, their concern. That uh, that something was being um, something was being opened up um, that couldn't be closed, and you know my my response to their concerns as far as that went were that you know if from from the viewpoint of a Christian the apocalypse is not a thing to be feared. That's as Paul tells us. That's the great hope of the church. <laughs> that's what we're waiting for: mm-hmm. is Christ to return and be revealed. Um, so, in that sense, there's um, that wasn't so much their fear. 
it was more what could possibly be unleashed to wreak havoc among mankind mm. that uh, would unwittingly be set loose, mm-hmm. and um, you know some sort of uh, some sort of mm, get out of jail free card handed to some sort of ultimate form of spiritual evil, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know that's that being the, the an open portal to come and go. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, well, I won't say I'm sure, but we've often suspected that there were some things like that that went on in the mid-40s after the war with things like the Babylon working. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jack have, Parsons is a, I think that's, uh, my, my best guess is that the, the, the whole Jack Parsons thing with uh, L. Ron Hubbard and Aleister Crowley um, I'll let you I'll let you explain that to your listeners mm-hmm. sometime. Uh, it was probably a good starting point for what sparked governmental interest in this. Okay. Mm. So maybe because, they, because they of, actually released because something. Because Parsons' yeah. close connections with uh, the Jeff Propulsion Laboratory. Okay. Of course, he would do well, do invocations of the god Pan every time he did a rocket test. Uh, yeah. But he said that he actually that they witnessed some kind of manifestation so that was loose and emanated from what they did and yeah. in, in 46 January I guess and then since then we had uh, the Roswell incident that occurred we had the Dead Sea Scrolls found including the Book of Enoch we had uh, not only increase in UFO sightings we had well Alistair Crowley died actually in 47 I believe mm-hmm. uh, yes. the founding of the Nation of Israel so those were very very critical times in world history and maybe uh, something that turned a corner for us around third base. Uh, into the denouement of the the, the wrap up of the battle of the forces of good and evil. I think that's a I think that's a good way to um, to sort of encapsulate what uh, what was going on then. I mean, we uh, people tend to look at um, the beginning of the atomic age as uh, mm-hmm. you know the genie out of the bottle right. sort of thing. I think that's probably the least of our problems <laughs> in, yeah. in some in some right. senses. That there were other much more malevolent things than just human wickedness and human evil um, that were unleashed at that time. That's right. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, I don't think I've ever quite had a lunch meeting as intense as uh, what he had. Pastor Bechet had, yeah. Yeah, and thank goodness he's well grounded in the Lord. Yeah. Um, I told you, ladies and gentlemen, this is pretty intense. And uh, while this information is a little old, it's still relevant to today, and what it suggests to you is that this activity was going on in the defense and intelligence communities, and it is legit. Uh, what in the world are they doing now? Mm-hmm. If they were actually contacting, and officially, not, not like accidentally stumbling onto it, but officially looking to do ritual magic, including human sacrifice, to contact these beings, if this is true, uh, it's just exactly what the Bible said was going on, only it's a literal reading of the Bible. Yeah. And we can talk about this tomorrow, but Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how to contact us at Future Quake? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. 
Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. And I hate to go with all that. Let's get on out of here. Okay. Come back for the next thrilling segment. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I am Tom Super Woe Bionic. Wow. Next we'll have Ultra Woe. And if you were here yesterday, you'll know why he says woe. And that's because uh, we're now entering our third segment of our interview with Reverend Ray Boucher, who is a theologian and pastor, a prominent uh, scientist, Fortean scientist and ufologist, author of the book An Anthology of the Unexplained. And we're talking about... Uh, his evidence, he cites, of direct government involvement in the occult. And uh, we went through quite a bit of it here. It goes beyond contact with demonic uh, spiritual entities. It's going to yeah, get into other, wep- other weapon systems that they have. But we've got to go uh, to this interview, and we'll be right back to uh, come out here at Future Quake. Well, I want to move on because we could stay there for a good long time, the three of us. And mine, a lot of interesting information about that. But uh, there was something else they were doing. And uh, on a normal show, this would be one of the most horrible things we could talk about. But in light of contacting dark evil forces, uh, it, it almost takes second place. But they were also involved in the development of something, I think they're called psychotronic weapons, yes. which were, were, were instruments that could remotely affect your mind or your physiology as well, too, and these were things that they understood the Soviets to have had quite advanced techniques. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but these are basically devices that can interrupt uh, either your your central nervous system or other parts of your physiology that can create either just terrible things happening to you or death uh, yes. if remotely. That's very much the... Um, uh, the same sort of thing as in, as I mentioned before, the, the movie that came out a short time ago, The, the Minusteric Goats, trying to develop um, the ability to essentially, in the movie, psychically stop someone's heart. Mm-hmm. One human being being able to concentrate and stop the heart of another person. Uh, this was the sort of uh, surgically targeted weapon that I think uh, they were really after, mm. where you could, um, I, I mean, and I can I can understand the uh, the political <clears throat> interest in something like this. If you can take out an evil dictator with no collateral damage to anyone else, and it appears natural, mm-hmm. hmm, that's a pretty tempting thing. But who decides who the evil dictator is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> once you, once if you have a technology like that, that's a deadly, deadly thing because who among mm-hmm. the human race has the moral capacity to use that correctly? It's something more powerful than an atomic bomb in that respect, exactly. uh, and and it won't be kept just for pure military 
purposes against despots. It's, it would be used for political purposes and instances of power. It couldn't help but not be used for those things. In fact, some of the examples, I think some information you gave me that I don't know if it was forwarded from them or elsewhere, actually suggested that the Soviets may have done that even to a couple of our presidents when they visited, as well as some of their own leaders, uh, like yeah. Brezhnev and Dropov, uh, uh, President Carter, they suspect was exposed to something. Uh, yeah, Nixon was... Um they, they think was uh, at the very least, if not a psychotronic weapon, at least uh, some sort of microwave weapon that uh, you know caused him a lot of uh, a lot of physical issues when he on a visit to the USSR. So there's um, I it's um, it's an interesting and very frightening kind of technology. Now, now, like I said before, on a normal show, we would see this as the the most heinous thing we could imagine. Uh, but then we've, we've got them going one step further in contacting these dark spiritual forces. And in fact, I think one almost leads to the other. When you cross a Rubicon of any kind of decency or restraint at all, even if you think you're going to get bad guys with it, when you cross that, it's almost the next step. When, when you have no, no other restraint or morality left, is it not? Well, it, I, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty apparent, um, if you go, let's, I mean, let's, uh, let's head back to Genesis and, uh, take a look at humanity from the beginning on. And what do we see? We, ever since the fall, we tend toward the evil. We are, man's heart is not naturally inclined toward God. And so we always go for the selfish thing. What, uh, you know, what's going to serve my interests? What's going to consolidate power for me? What's going to get me what I want? Um, it's a it's a constant struggle, and uh, I mean I'm I'm amazed at God's graciousness throughout the entire history of the nation of Israel, as they turn away from God, they come back to God. They turn away from God. He's merciful. They come back to God. I mean it's a it's just. Um, it's just a never-ending cycle, and it continues today. We, I mean, every Christian knows that that mm-hmm. we, you know, we we are on, uh, as as one uh, one theologian puts it, uh, a long road in the same direction. Now, are you saying, can, are you saying even us Americans could, could <laughs> actually be suspect? I mean, we're, the, we're we're the saviors of the world, you know. I mean, we're a, we're a Christian nation. Didn't you get the memo? And well, we were supposed I, I, to bring I heard light. rumors. We bring light. We bring light. We bring light to the world. You just ask an Indian, you know, or some of those guys in Guantanamo Bay. They'll make it clear to you. We we're, we're there to make the world a better place. And I can't That's imagine right. that that we would be suspect uh, to the same temptations as all the bad people in the Bible are uh, to ascend nature and to uh, you know selfishness and to pride and ambition. You know the fact when you when you make when you give someone lots of power. And you also allow them to do things in secret. Either one of those things can be destructive to them and everybody else, but it's a double whammy when you give them both. That's and exactly and right. we use things like the Cold War to create an environment where groups, some groups we didn't even know about. Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't even know about the NSA until not that long ago. But mm-hmm. you, you're giving groups with virtually infinite power and the ability to do to extend their power in total secrecy. Uh, and then we're surprised that bad things happen, or they're so bad that we don't even want to hear about them uh, when yeah. it happens. And, and that that slippery slope leads right into the open arms of Satan. 
uh, whether you're an American or you can even be a religious leader. And if, if you're given infinite power and you're practicing your work in secret, where is that going to slide you? Uh, it's, just a, right. it's just a natural path. Um, now, now, if I remember right, the, the, the kind of things that happened to people were things that were almost like hemorrhages in the brain or almost like uh, blunt trauma-type injuries, uh, suffocation. That They actually reported that they had subjects who died from exposure to these weapons, correct? Yeah, those those were, and, I, and they were never, they never elaborated, and um, I was never clear as to uh, the origin of these subjects of the experiments. But I was, and again, true or not, I can't say. I can only, I can only tell you what they told me. Uh, I was shown photos of um, of experimental subjects who were, uh, and again, allegedly uh, killed by the use of these uh, negative weapons, or what uh, what they uh, one term that they used for these things were negative healing. Uh, which I found a yeah. kind of an amusing, amusing <laughs> way to put. The politicians <laughs> would love things yeah, like that. Politicians like a, would like to use. It's like a senator thing. It's like collateral damage, you know. <laughs> yes, I, I found that I found that kind of odd. But yeah, yeah, there were uh, there were uh, these. Um, uh, if you can get a little closer to your phone, Ray, we're getting a little break up there. How's that? That much better. Thanks. Better. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah there were. Uh, I was shown three series of photos, and if I recall correctly, there were like four photos in each series. And there were, um, let's see, allegedly, death by cardiac arrest, um, remotely created head trauma, um, and then suffocation, which um, allegedly was all accomplished um, with no physical contact. And this was technology that was at least two decades old from now. Yes. So what yeah, we see, what we see in the news today, if we see a political figure that suddenly gets ill, or suddenly, you know, has some kind of trauma, something happen, or even a physical accident, something that occurs, um, we really have no idea of understanding what really happened. You know, the interesting thing, and that's a that's a great question that you raise. Because the interesting thing is, as I look back and have looked back over this, uh, even with the um, uh, the advent of the first Gulf War, my thought was, okay, if they want to take someone like Saddam Hussein out, and this technology is real, why not use it? Now, I mean, there there could be all sorts of reasons. I tend to think if, and this is the big if, if this was real, that perhaps they had to curtail it because it got too far out of hand and there was too much um, too much internal fallout in terms of psychological and spiritual damage to the people involved with it. Mm-hmm. And my, <clears throat> my hope would be that somewhere along the line, someone would have awakened to this and said, this is you know, this is bad. Let's stop. We're going to well, pull the plug on this. Well, I wouldn't say necessarily that that would be the only possibility. Um, they may well have that technology capability, and they even have other ways they could have taken Saddam out. They could have sent a sniper in dressed in an Iraqi army uniform 
and taken them out very easily. That's and true. just said it was an army coup or something like that. Uh, to me, the only real answer is they wanted our troops on the ground. They needed our army occupying there. It would be it would be very very easy to take him out. There are yeah there are political machinations that um, are far beyond my ability right. <laughs> to begin to decipher. Yeah. In, in, in other words, I'm saying they could have had a tool like this to be able to remotely do it un- undetected, but it still wouldn't have accomplished their goal of having exactly. our guys feet on the ground doing things if that in fact was what their was what their goal was. Now that's um, exactly right. Yeah. Why did these men decide later, a few years later, to contact Linda Moulton Howe and go through you for that? Well, they were, uh, they had read her first, uh, book. That uh, way, actually, is it her first book? Uh, I believe so. I believe it was her first one, yeah. Right. Um, and they were, they were, um, they were taken by some of the things that they had seen in there. Excuse me. And so they had contacted uh, me and wanted to know if I would put them in contact with Linda. They wanted to use me as a go-between, and since I had no <laughs> direct access to them, I said, "Well, sure, I'll you know I'll do what I can." And um, they were they were taken by some of uh, some of Linda's um, information she'd uncovered regarding contact with with non-human entities, more along the lines of UFO abductions and and, uh, contacts with uh, UFO occupants, that they felt were very reminiscent of uh, some of the things that that they had encountered with these non-human entities and uh, thought that she should look into that to be aware of The occult underpinnings to some mm-hmm. of this, because they saw a lot of a lot of similarities between some of the entities that Linda was describing uh, her contacts as having encountered, and ancient Babylonian, Sumerian, Assyrian gods. Right. Now, um, I guess something I should have asked you before, when these guys met with you originally, before then. What what had they hoped to accomplish by meeting with you? What well, what was their objective? That's that was never made clear to me. That was never made clear to me. I don't know if they were trying to clear their consciences. If they, again, were, they were they looking for answers from you or advice? I th- I think they were. I mean, I think they were. I I definitely got the impression that they had come to me because they knew. I was grounded enough in the study of unusual phenomena that what they were telling me wouldn't be a sticking point. You know that I, I wouldn't get stuck there and not be able to move past it, and that um, I had a, a pretty good grasp of, of what a Christian reaction to this sort of thing should be. So that's a um, Christian response, and. Uh, I think that's that's the only thing that that I was ever able to surmise in my own mind. Mm-hmm. That that was the combination of things that uh, that brought them to me. I mean, these these gentlemen with the conversations we had were not, uh, you know, let's sit down and kick back and have a cup of coffee and you mm-hmm. know chit chat. These these were 
these were not casual conversations as much as they were um, almost expositions of here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. They were and giving you a briefing, basically. It, pretty much. That's a good way. It's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. And again, to what end? I I honestly don't know. I honestly and, can't answer that. And you never asked them like, why are you telling me this? What do you want me to do with it? I well, you know, I did, and they just, you know, their only response was, "We think you're the appropriate person." So I, I guess. I mean, that's. Hmm. I mean, what? Then what does that tell you? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I was absolutely baffled by. It. I'm still baffled about it to hmm. this day. I wonder if they expected you to go to the uh, Christian community, and to warn them since they were Christians. Well, you know, I the. I don't know. That's a that's an excellent point, but you know, what I could have told the Christian community in terms of you know what's going on here is really nothing that that most solidly grounded Bible believing Christians wouldn't have understood about the occult and demonic forces anyway. Well, I can tell you right now, I, I can talk to most of your. Christians who go every Sunday to church, and and I don't doubt their salvation. I believe they know the Lord. They actively serve Him, and they listen to the material we talk about on Future Quake. And it's not just this kind of material; it's anything we cover. And they just they sort of raise their eyebrows, roll their eyes, and move on. Uh, And I mean, even much more benign things we cover on our show, they don't they don't buy. So yeah, and there's. There is a, I mean, there is a, you know, C.S. Lewis made the point that there, in the screw tape letters, that there are two great, uh, uh, two great mistakes we can make about the devil. We can ascribe to him too much power and influence, mm-hmm. and we can ignore him. Right. If neither one are good for us, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so we have to, we have to strike that balance in between. And um, you know, I, but you know, when you when you raise it, you know, was did they intend for me to take this to? Uh, uh, the Christian community, and you know, as I say, I don't know that. Um, I mean, that never really occurred to me in terms of, you know, most most believers are going to to encounter something like this, and just as you said, they're either going to say, "Oh, that's nuts, that's crazy," or they're going to say, "That's bad. I don't want anything to do with it." Well, if they, if they so, yeah, if they felt like they had convinced you of their credentials and that they were legitimate, what they were sharing, what they were doing is verifying that our own government had gotten involved in dark spiritual forces. Not not well, just lying and cheating and killing. They were actually involved in formal ritualistic things and confirming it. In other words, some of our worst suspicions, someone is coming forward to you and showing you it's real. And that was that was really my ultimate take on it. And did that what did that have have an effect on you? Did that? I mean, you may have suspected that all along, but but to see a possible reality to it, did it did it disturb you and cause sleepless nights or thoughts? Uh, I, I mean, it's it's certainly disturbing. Um, the idea that um, you know that that activities like this are sanctioned by some arm of the government, and that they're sanctioned in order <clears throat> to perfect. Um, a weapon, some sort of diabolical weapon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 what I find disturbing. 
Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Colonel but it's Michael like it, it, it's like it's like Operation Paperclip to an extreme. You know, I mean, we we took Nazi scientists who had done terrible experiments on people, you know, on 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 Jewish prisoners and and things like this, and, and we took them because we could beat the Reds with them. You take that yeah. to its net. Once your mind goes there and says the means, the ends justifies the means, then you you are willing to you know unturn any stone. And in fact, right. uh, years prior to that, they probably would have been laughed out of the room. Or even considering and looking at these kind of things, but you know, with the whole UFO flap that occurred, Roswell and all these other kind of things, there may have been a behind closed doors understanding like, that there is something out there beyond what we understand, and if we're not doing something, the Russians are, and I we, think that we was, need to be doing it. Yeah, I think that was the driving force behind it. Uh, that the Soviets may have a handle on something, and we'd better get started. As I say, there's there's some things coming to light now that indicate that maybe um, what we did prompted the Soviets to say, hey, we're working on this too, you know, that it was just kind of a game of one-upsmanship and nobody ever really achieved anything. Um, I don't really buy that view. I think, I think more tangible things were accomplished than what we'll probably ever have actual documentation for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was I think it was because because the, the communistic view of life is such a uh, such a naturalistic mechanistic view of everything and spirituality is just divorced from the scene. I can see where that would lend itself in terms of research to assuming whatever bizarre results you got must obviously have a natural explanation, mm-hmm. which would then open the door to all sorts of terrible spiritual involvement uh, in a very unknowing manner. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if um, They would have recognized the root of it. They would just liked what they saw and that it was another mm-hmm. power source. Exactly, exactly. We look, look what we can accomplish if we do this. Mm-hmm. Now, if we do A plus B, boy, look at C. Isn't that great? And uh, would never see... Or even consider the spiritual uh, spiritual ramifications that mm-hmm. might be there. You, you know, I, I detoured a little bit uh, from uh, Linda Moulton Howe being contacted, and it's funny because the materials I saw are are almost exactly verbatim from what she wrote in her book. Uh, and she said on our show that she put she she left no detail. She wrote every single huh. detail in the huh. book. But but the the reference you mentioned about these Babylonian demons was something that paragraph did not make it in her book. Uh, however, to her credit, she did mention it on our show, uh, even well, though she had had an exhaustive listing of it in that, uh, she mentioned it. Yeah, and the, now the book, <clears throat> to give to, uh, to be fair to Linda, the book did precede that. So, so the, the link between the Babylonian and, and Middle Eastern uh, uh, deities was made after she'd written the book. Okay, and it was it was brought to her attention by the the contacts I had. Well, I'm glad you clarified that. Why uh, why do you think that they mentioned that she looked at these rare books on the evil spirits of Babylonia or false gods of ancient civilizations? I think I know yep. your answer, but but why do you think they came to that conclusion? Well, I think um, you know I think if you're if you're a believer and uh, you you encounter something like this. You're going to do whatever you can to uh, find out uh, how do I 
as a, as a Christian, how can I combat this? What do I what do I need to know? And so that naturally will take you back to um, some of the scholarly work that's been done over the you know ultimately the last two thousand years of the history of the church in terms of um, battling the occult, battling the supernatural from a Christian point of view. And um, some of the things that um, some of the things that they recommended were um, uh, all the works of uh, Kurt Cook, for instance, um, Fred Dickinson's material, some Merrill Unger and uh, Neil Anderson's uh, material in dealing with uh, uh, spiritual forces. But then um, some of the more difficult to find volumes that they recommended: Reginald Thompson's *The Devils and Evil Spirits of Babylonia*. Edward Langton's Essentials of Demonology, <clears throat> a book by a 1601 book by Deacon and Walker called Biological Discourses of Spirits and Devils Declaring Their Proper Essence, and uh, Schneeweiss, uh, who's a German theologian, Angels and Demons According to Lactantus, which was um, uh, a Roman philosopher. Um, you know, it would be very interesting. It would be interesting to go in the, those libraries there in the Ivy League places where they were and look at the card catalog and see who checked out those books uh, before, beforehand. Yeah, kidding. Because evidently, I, the only thing I can presume is that those institutions and military intelligence had gotten their hands on those books to understand would, what they were dealing with. I would imagine, I would imagine so, yeah. And I think that's, to me, that made, that made perfect sense. That they would reference, and I mean, some of them I was familiar with, but um, uh, the, the real uh, uh, hardcore 15th, 16th, 17th century stuff, I'd never run across. Um, they're just, I mean, they're just extraordinarily rare books. But to have that, uh, to have that put forward as, uh, you ought to take a look at these, Linda. That to me says. These guys, someone in the government, whether it was these guys, other researchers, somebody was saying, we've got a pretty good idea of what's going on here, and uh, we need to look at the root cause of this. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I, you know, other possibilities is the, the, these demonic forces could have identified themselves with these names, or they could have brought in talismans or, or statues or other kind of things of some of these gods as part of these ritual activities that actually cause the manifestations. And, yeah. and I, I find it interesting, I don't know if you do, maybe a total coincidence, that uh, the main war we've been involved in in the last uh, almost a decade involved our troops going into that very land of Mesopotamia. And the reports are they went in and took all those sacred relics of those gods that were thousands of years old and packed them up and carted them out of there. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I- I um, same thing. I have um, you know as soon as the the uh, the big string of news reports about the looting of the uh, Baghdad Museum came out, my mind started tracking down those very paths, and uh, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. We're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future and Tom. That's unbelievable, Bionic. Yeah, I know we don't have much time for much else to say. We'll have a little bit more tomorrow, but. Um, as if the occult connections with these spirits were not bad enough, we've got psychotronic weapons, and uh, this, this is 20-year-old technology. Who knows how much our, our uh, knowledge is, is modified by what's around us. But someone who you can count on is Murph. He'll tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com 
suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Out. Come back for the last thrilling segment tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, pretty blown away by this interview, Bionic. And that's a lot to say for Future Quake, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We're some pretty hardened, jaded guys when it comes to yeah. conspiratronics. You know, we only hit the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and, I, I uh, feel like there's a lot more that we need to talk about this with, is, with Brother Ray there. This is enough to uh, sink a Titanic. It's our uh, discussion with Reverend Ray Boucher, who is the theologian, pastor, prominent ufologist, fourteen scientist of the unknown, and author of an anthology to the unexplained. And we're talking about his uh, evidence of direct government involvement in the occult. Um, lays it out there on the table, um, including these gentlemen from the government saying that ancient Mesopotamian gods are part of it. Yep, they've no, been around for a while. It's, it's no shock, but yet it's still sort of unreal yeah. that someone could actually say it. It, and I think but it it's might like be, literal. Everything's literal. Well, and it's interesting because we've been sort of pouring over this information behind the scenes for a year now, yeah. and just now we're getting it out. So we may be just a little bit, you know, jaded to yeah. it. Maybe we'll have some government people contact us. Who yeah, knows? that'd be cool. Okay, here is our last segment with Reverend Ray Boucher, and we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. Now we know beings from that very region geographically play a key role in the last days, because it says that actual. Uh, dark angels will be released from the Tigris and Euphrates in the area, right? Mm-hmm. And, and lead an army. And actually there will be a massive... Evidently they must be very powerful because they lead a huge army and they're very, very effective in warfare. Yes. And I can think a military might be interested in, in getting a hold of those power sources. I would think so. I would think so. And, um, you know, I is there... There is just, I don't know how to describe it, and I, I don't know, I don't know if I really, I, I don't feel too comfortable imposing my own uh, political views on things, but there is, there was an attempted sea change in um, in the political climate in the United States, and I think if we look at what's going on now politically, we're seeing a lot of backlash to it. Um, we're seeing a lot of things that, I mean, really kind of kind of gutting the Christian fiber from America with uh, sort of the final stroke to get rid of it. And You mean just because we're, we're on the Department of Homeland Security... <laughs> Support us, right-wing yeah. extremists. Yeah, we're now yeah. People who are pro-life and who actually believe in end-time prophecies are listed by name in, in the government reports as right-wing extremists. I don't know why that would be considered a threat by our government. 
Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure my name appears a couple of times on those yeah. lists as well. well I'm sure uh-huh. they've got big files on us. Don't worry. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's it's. I find it interesting that I mean, I, and I don't know. This is pure speculation. Pure speculation. But I just wonder what you know. What sort of what sort of political machinery turns that we never see. And uh, you know, people people are always ready to accuse. Others who raise these questions of, well, you know, you're just a, a you're just not a, theory nut. Or you're not a patriot is the latest one I've been hearing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, you know, I just, you know, there, there, are some, there are some nasty things going on. And I, you know, I see some, some good glimmers of hope <laughs> with people coming back and saying, you know, look, we, we have to protect our individual rights. We have to protect our religious freedoms. Mm-hmm. We have to watch out for this kind of thing. And I think, um, I well, mean, I can't help but... They're going to find a lot of resistance from the religious establishment, though, those people. Yes, they will. Because they will. Those, the religious establishment has chosen to align themselves with the forces of repression. They are sold out 100%. So, I mean, there's, it's, um, it's a sad sad thing and I I can you know, I'll tell you this this weighs as a pastor this weighs heavily on me when I think about what are these men who claim to be men of God who are supposed to be spiritual leaders of people what are they going to face when they stand in front of God with the final yeah. judgment I ask myself that same question all the time brother Ray you, mm-hmm. you see people doing this, doing things that, uh, when you really discern, really what's going on, it seems more closely akin to sort of, you know, pickpocketing the sheep. Like, yeah. I, I fear for them. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like. Now, would you Lord. be referring to like people who are like, you know, on boards of directors of major Christian ministries who actually run, uh, you know, um, mercenary groups that actually have child prostitution rings yeah. in Iraq and stuff, those kind yeah, of people. Yeah, and wife-swapping stuff, you forgot that one. Yeah. I, could, I, would, I would definitely include them in there. I mean, I would I would go so far as to include um, the people who, I mean, Christ makes plain, he's going to spit out of their mouths, out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. The, the people who are just lukewarm. Well, Jesus was a good guy. He was a good teacher. God is love. Just love everyone. Do what you want. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's the whole antinomian sort of um, you know God is love and the idea of universalism and yeah uh, how, you know, how could a loving God ever condemn anyone to hell? Yeah, I, I just I, I shudder when I see the people who who buy into that, and when I particularly when I see the the men, the leaders who are. Wasting that off on them, and I—that's a—well, that's a—that's a real hobby horse with me. I just—I—I I, I have. Don't worry, man. Get up on the horse with the with the two of us. <laughs> We're already there. We, 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 I we, have far too far too great a far too great a, a sense of responsibility for what it means to uh, to be called by God to lead people and to teach mm-hmm. them His Word, and I, I just it just it disgusts me to see men who claim to do that and are absolutely doing the opposite. When you um, when you were referring to these dark things that people in power could be and what they're doing since then, I thought of the ultimate conspiracy book, which is the Bible. And in the ultimate conspiracy book, it says in Revelation 18, that the kings of the earth 
and the great merchants of the earth conspire together, and they use pharmakia, or sorcery, by which to deceive the nations of the earth. I would think if that's their normal activity, then everything you described today fits right in with that modus operandi. Yes. Yes. And sorcery, when the Bible says they do sorcery, it means they do sorcery. And what you have talked about is our modern governments doing sorcery. Doing sorcery, yeah. And bearing and, and getting power from it. Maybe it's sacrificing their own sanity, certainly their own souls. But but you know there are connections of these gentlemen to talking about MK Ultra and yes. about that that some of those kind of activities, which I think if if we weren't starting to lose our souls already, uh, you know, as an institution, that had to sort of lead in the direction to be prepared to use psychotronic weapons and then to contact dark spirits. They, they march down the same path. And I would like to suggest our Christian listeners uh, who think everything is just fine to torture people and to take people who have never been brought forth on charges, innocent people in a village, and put them in a place like Guantanamo Bay and never let them have their, their charges read to them, that that is the action that will lead a, quote, Christian nation down the same path. That's my personal opinion. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, uh, uh, Pastor Ray, but I think... These are the kind of actions in which a nation loses its soul. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. We are the founding fathers put those safeguards there for a reason because they'd seen what life was like without them. They had seen what life was like without them. And if we for political convenience or for a sense of security strip those away again, it's not too long until suddenly the radical Islamic terrorist becomes the right-wing Christian pro-life terrorist, and let's grab him off the streets and no Miranda rights and no representation, right. and let's throw them in a camp because they're not going along with the government program. Right. It's a it's a deadly. Well, now you can even take your citizenship away. Now they said if if uh, you happen to be an American citizen and we think you're doing something bad, we'll take your citizenship away. So then we can take your rights away. And uh, American Christians are right in line with this. But I, I I didn't want to get too far in that direction. But the fact is, is that we may think this is impossible to think that our government could be doing human sacrifices to contact dark powers. But we've mentioned Michael Aquino mm-hmm. and other people doing dark things in our own government. We've seen videos of similar oh, things even going on overseas in some of our military units. You know, uh, Why should we be shocked? If, if you sacrifice civilians or people in these rendition camps far away, it's a half step over to doing ritual sacrifice and to bring dark powers on the land where you reside. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I would, and I would, uh, I would offer this up as another example. The big, what I would say, <clears throat> the the idol of our modern culture, above all things, right now, for the last thirty years, has essentially been sex. And daily, we sacrifice children to the idol of unrestricted, unlimited sex in abortion clinics across the country. And if that's not if that's not human sacrifice to an evil pagan god, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, so we've we've established with Roe v. Wade in 1973, we established a terrible precedent that has just decimated the value of human life in this country. And people have an incredibly difficult time looking at the value of a person anywhere near as remarkably as someone who grew up in the 40s or 50s would look at the value of a human being. Hmm. Well, wait a minute. We're we're a a Christian nation. How can you say these bad things about (laughs) our country? Now, of course, we did have some of our founding fathers like uh, Benjamin Franklin go to the Hellfire Club and do these same kind of rituals and people like that. But we're a Christian nation because we call ourselves that. You know, I used to think only individuals could be Christians, but evidently entire entities, even though the nations of the world were given over to someone else, uh, we say it and, you know, name it and claim it, I guess, ultimately. I know we're getting toward the, toward the end of our show here, but, but uh, one thing that I didn't see reference, uh, and maybe, again, it was because it was after the publication date uh, from Ms. Howe and her book, but these gentlemen made it very, very clear in her the correspondence with her that this was a spiritual battle and that these creatures, by their own observation, could only be controlled or stayed by the name, power, and authority of Jesus Christ, correct? Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. Did you did you get the impression that that had come up in some of their encounters in the military experiments, that, that a Christian or someone maybe in desperation said, Jesus, help me, and something was stopped, or was this just from their own independent study that they knew this? We, the, the, the two gentlemen and I, never spoke about this. Those references came to Linda... Uh, or statements came to Linda um, passing through my hands. Okay. So I never, I was never aware of that until Linda shared it with me afterwards. My only thought is that either one of these men happened to be present when something like that was going on, and uh, and invoked the name of Christ, or there was uh, a believer somehow involved when something was happening, and they saw the effect that that had. Mm-hmm. There, uh, interestingly, there are a number of, um, and this and this is poo-pooed in the UFO community constantly. There are a number of people who suffered over the years with multiple uh, UFO abductions. Right. The only way that they were able to stop them was to command that they stop in the name of Christ. Now, are you familiar that, with Joe Jordan and his work in that area? Yes, yes. Okay. And yeah, that's that's really it. That's the only thing that has so far uh, you know and not you know, I'm making two assumptions that abductions are actual events mm-hmm. and that um you know, I mean there there's so there's some assumptions here. But I find it interesting that the only thing anecdotally that's ever been mentioned is the name of Christ as a way to, to get that to cease. I've never heard anyone say, you know, well, you know, I I told them to stop in the name of Buddha. I told them to stop in the name of Krishna. I told them to stop in the name of Ganesh or Muhammad or, you know, no, no, it doesn't doesn't work that way. And you have a whole separate database through all your intensive study. Your separate database from that, what we've covered on the show before, further verifies that it's really a entity versus Jesus battle. 
not not entity versus uh, Buddha or any of these other uh, people of faith, not even Confucius or Gabriel or or whoever, John Smith, whatever, Joseph Smith. It's actually Jesus versus these, that's, these entities. That's one of the most interesting things that I've found is that if you if you trace back all the way to the beginning of the the contactee movement, as it was known in the in the late 40s, early 50s, uh, people who claimed to have been contacted by the benevolent space brothers in their flying saucers, uh, all the way through the abduction phenomena and the encounters with the, the so-called greys and so on. The only note, thread, that runs through this whole thing is you don't understand who Jesus was. The Bible is wrong. Jesus was a good guy, but he wasn't God. It's all constant criticism at Scripture and Christ, the person of, the person of Christ. And I, I find that so fascinating that nobody ever says, you know, Jesus was, he just got it all wrong, but Buddha really had it figured out. There's, there's nothing like that. It's just constant denigration of the Christian message. Now, I presume other ufologists, when they heard your papers given, when you talked about the centrality of Jesus Christ, they probably thought you were very boorish and weren't real keen on you getting into that kind of stuff. Uh, I'd say that's a a generous (laughs) generous description. Okay. It it hasn't necessarily been very warmly received. Or maybe you were yeah, the cow pie in the punch bowl, so to speak. Well, I, I've sort of felt that way sometimes. You know, I've been accused of being, uh, you know, very rigid and, and uh, uh, naive and, and uh, uh, parochial in my views and just not very intellectual. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I just can't help but say, you know, I'll stand toe-to-toe with you and, you know, I'm, I, will, I will demonstrate without... <laughs> without a doubt, that when you come right down to it, Christ is the answer. He is the source of ultimate truth. Now, why couldn't you be more intellectual and just take these aliens' words at face value? And when they (laughs) say they come from the Pleiades, you believe the Pleiades, and that they said they were going to be nice to us and they must be nice. That seems like a much more intellectual approach. (laughs) I guess, you know, I guess I'm just one of those guys who clings to his guns and religion. and just (laughs) Yeah, I've heard heard of you guys. Well, you know, you guys, you, you guys are a threat to all power, political power structures of all stripes. Uh, people, people who really try to have a, a clear, open, honest view of the Bible, everyone is offended by that. Uh, you know, we're coming to the last few minutes of the show, uh, and I, and I got to ask you: this has been a long time since this event occurred. There were more things that happened that we can't even get to now in the show. But is there anything else you recollect, or is the, you know, through the fog, fog of time? goes through that you didn't write down or something that now that you've seen what's transpired over the last couple of decades that was really notable from your experience or they said or something that now takes on a new relevance? Well, yeah, I, I would say probably more than anything, the, the thing that strikes me is viewing some of the events that uh, have happened in the world, some of the events that have happened in uh, in terms of the, the paranormal, uh, the paranormal circle of, uh, of news, uh, those sorts of things. If I view that against the background of what these gentlemen told me, 
much of it seems to be a pretty natural progression. Mm-hmm. That would say, if what they said was true, then I can see where some of these things, uh, or how some of these things have come about and, and where they may be heading. Um, what would again, you guess I, they could be doing now, after two decades beyond the capability they told you they witnessed and were involved in? What can you imagine that they've advanced on in two decades? You know, I, 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 that, that just boggles my mind to even think of. Uh, I have uh, I have some good friends who do a lot of aviation research, and um, they're uh, they're some of the guys that hang around uh, uh, Area 51 and Edwards Air Force Base, and, and always the guys that are the first to grab a photo of a new plane or a, a variation of a fighter, that sort of thing. And um, they said that uh, or they're the, the common uh, the common attitude among those guys. And I believe this may have come from um, uh, Ben Rich at Lockheed, was that whatever we see as the new cutting-edge thing is at least 25 years old. Mm-hmm. So project your imagination 25 years past what the most advanced thing you can see is, and that's what that's what's probably operational right now but still being hidden. And, and these entities who were contacted could be having direct influence on people at the top of the military, intelligence, Congress, presidency, you name it, companies. I, I would I, I, that would not surprise me to learn that. That would not surprise me. And I think um, there, there's um, what was described to me was a situation which is extraordinarily dangerous, extraordinarily dangerous, and. If true, um, I, I it staggers staggers the imagination to to consider what may be going on now. Well, we've got about four minutes left, and I, I want to ask you real quick if you could comment on what really has your attention right now. We know you've had historically an interest in some of these subjects. It, it, anything like this having your attention right now, developments or something else going on within the church or politics? What's really got your attention? Well, you know, uh, I will be, and that's, boy, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one to narrow down. <laughs> I would say probably my, my biggest concern right now is what, spiritually, what's going on with the world and why isn't the church doing more about it? Uh, and, and by that, I mean, there is still so much bickering. High five, infighting. brother Ray. <laughs> among Christians, I, I mean, it's, you know, my my feeling is this. If you accept the authority of the Bible as God's inerrant and fallible word and faith in Christ as the only way to achieve salvation, then I don't really concern myself with whether I differ with you or anyone else on the mode, the time, or the method of baptism. What exactly does the Lord's Supper mean? Um, I mean, they just pick, pick your, mm-hmm. pick your picking topic. Yeah, these are the I things mean, that cause fights in the average typical local yeah. church. Exactly, and I mean, mm-hmm. doctrine is important. Mm-hmm. But if you if you go through Scripture and you say, you know, this, I believe this is what the Lord is showing me about this particular topic. Fine, because as soon as you say that and you look at somebody else and say your view on this is unbiblical. They're pointing at you and saying, your view on this is <laughs> it's unbiblical. And you've both built good arguments from Scripture right. for your position. 
let it go. Right. Because we have more important things. There are people going to Christless graves hourly in this right. country. And right. I don't think we have the luxury of nitpicking over denominational differences. I think we've got people that need to be reached with the gospel, and that's that's what we need now. Do I have an answer for that? No. I wish I did. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I did. But well, I, it's yeah. you know, it's not a, it's not an easy one, two, three step program. It's um, you and know, we, it, I we, don't hear... we run into that on, on you know, future quick. We try to go above the fray in that. We may may discuss and debate different views on the rapture when that occurs, but for the most part, we're trying to look at more pressing issues. And we'd like to have you back yeah. to maybe talk well, about would... a topic like that if you don't mind. I uh, would I would love to do that. We have one. We have one minute left. Can you tell our listeners quickly what you recommend they do constructively as Christians with the subject matter we talked about today uh, to accomplish something for the kingdom? I would say if if, if people well, first of all, bury your nose in scripture. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't pull it out. Keep it there. But at the same time, take a look at some of the uh, some of the more reputable. Uh, reputable things out there regarding spiritual warfare. Um, look at look at some of the things by Fred Dickinson and Merrill Unger and Kirk Cook. Uh, inform yourselves in that way. Watch the news and not so much in terms of uh, trying to fit it to a, uh, to a prophetic timeline, but watch the news and see how it fits against a biblical standard of life. Mm-hmm. A Christian standard of life. And <clears throat> Above all, if you keep your nose in Scripture and you keep your knees glued to the floor and, and pray, because that's uh, that's our uh, that's our strong suit right there. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's right. our strong suit right there. We have, I mean, we have access to the throne room of God, and that's that's what we have to fall back on, mm-hmm. regardless of what we see going on in the world around us. We can hold on to Scripture and know that's the foundation the church is built on right there. That's God's revealed truth to us. And you better hang around that throne room because it's going to be pretty nasty everywhere else. That's right. That's right. That's boy, if there's if there's one place to be, that's it. So that in a, in a short answer, yeah, I would say nose in the Bible, knees on the floor, and um, that's. Uh, How about ear to future quake? Ear to future quake. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry, you guys do a great job. You really do. I <laughs> you. I, uh, I appreciate so much the chance to, to go on Ryan and listen to you, and uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have been on the show. Well, it is uh, it is an honor for you to be here. Sorry about this shameless plug there. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but we we hope that we, we're like a vitamin supplement, okay? Your, your main diet has got to be God's Word. But you know, right. looking at things going on today, we hope to try to at least provide one voice for people can take the current things that are going on or things they may not hear about in the mainstream news and then look at it from what the Bible has to say. And that's what we want everybody to do here. And I want to thank you so much for joining us here. There is a lot more I wanted to talk with you about. I hope you're willing to come back again for a return visit. We'll, we'll do another show. Okay. That's a promise. Well, God bless you so much, and thank you for joining us here at Future Quake. All right, Tom, Dr. Future, it's, a, it's, yeah. been a, it's been a blessing and an honor. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, I'm uh, going to have to check out some of these books, Bionic. Boy, if you can get your hands on them. If I remember uh, Linda Moulton House saying that a lot of them are like in Harvard or these other libraries. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that uh, these guys, when they wrote, they said MK Ultra and other things 
created a bridge to get to the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you start doing inhuman things, dehumanizing people, you're on the way to Satan. Yeah. You're on Duh. the way. And that's why we need to warn Christians about when they, and, and I know that they sound like that we use this as an excuse to get on it, but when you get to, into torture, when you get into illegal confinement of people and denying them rights and rendition and all this stuff, that's why it's important. It is satanic by its power. And then it leads to like, well, hey, why, why not just contact the source directly and get power from them? Yeah. And that's why you find guys like Aquino and these other people that believe that. Okay, we got to go. All right. Come back for the news tomorrow. We look forward to hearing your comments to the show. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I, of course, am the always effervescent Tom Fizzy Bionic. Uh, you sound like Johnny the Longshoreman's version of your name. <laughs> Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, it's great to be back with you again. Uh, it's another week. These weeks go by quickly. I know uh, Brother Tom and I always feel like we're just racing into the room yeah. every week, uh, just barely doing our research and getting our news and things together. Mm. We hope you enjoyed the very special interview that we had this week. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of very interesting news uh, to go through this week. Mm-hmm. And um, any announcements before we get started directly to the news? I can't really think of anything. I can't think of anything right now. Yep. Uh, the Lord e- is good. Yeah, yes. Amen. That's right. That's always true every week. Yep. Um, I don't know if that's really an announcement, like something new. But we're going to have Future Quake Live uh Coming up? I'm trying to. Uh, the whole, the latest where that sits is I wanted to wait till my new computer to try yeah, it out. Yeah. And then my computer, new computer exploded, so I have to send it back. Yeah. So as soon as I get a refund on that, then I'm going to buy okay. a computer. I've actually found it for cheaper right down the street from my house. Okay. So I'm going to get that. As soon as I get the new computer, yeah. we will make sure that I can get everything okay. working. We'll, we'll have a live where, where Futurians can call in and mm-hmm. give their two cents. It'll yep. be, still be pre-recorded, but we'll have it announced ahead of time. Yep. And do that, and so mm-hmm. I'll keep it TBD, working around our our guest and schedule like that. Word. Would you like to start the story with me? Uh, why don't you go ahead? Well, it looks like we both have two stories with Christian preachers in them. Oh, great! Which is, uh, I'll say something. I think you would agree with me. These kind of stories are always a little. I feel really weird talking about them because I know that well, even if any of them are true, but the guy's still a Christian, it's like the golden rule weird. applies. Yeah, we want to be treated. We want to treat others the way we want people to ourselves to be treated, mm-hmm. and um, this is sort of sad. But this has now become pretty big news because this was on the front page of the Tennessean, Whoa. the Nashville newspaper, main newspaper mm-hmm. from Middle Tennessee. Uh, it had been—I can't remember if we mentioned it briefly on our show last week uh, with our you know, our news segment or with. Uh, our friend Derek Gilbert, I know he mentioned it on a recent version of Pitt Radio, but now it's it's gone big now. Uh, University to investigate seminary leaders, leaders claims. Uh, Ergen Kainer, seminary president at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, has become an evangelical superstar by telling his dramatic story of converting from a would-be terrorist to a Southern Baptist preacher. It has earned him book contracts and invitations to preach at mega churches around the country. Kainer has become a leading Southern Baptist expert on Islam and one of the most influential ex-Muslims in America. But his recent uh, personal account has ignited a firestorm of controversy. In recent weeks, a series of court documents from Kainer's past, dug up by bloggers, has undermined his story. They show that Kainer grew up not in Turkey but in Ohio. He was raised not by a Muslim extremist but by a non-Muslim mother. Hmm. 
Kaner's supporters say the accusations aren't fair. They say Kaner's a sincere and talented preacher who got carried away in a pulpit. They also say that the accusations are politically motivated and that his shortcomings have been exaggerated. So they're basically, that translation says, no contest. Mia culpa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I went and heard him speak. I went to the pre, uh, the pre-trib study group or pre-trib rapture community mm-hmm. kids, yeah. and they had him as a keynote, and he was a dynamic speaker. I mean, he was really a strong speaker, mm-hmm. uh, very strong, forceful. If you've ever heard him preach, mm-hmm. he's like sort of old school preachers. He almost like sort of crescendos and ends on this big punchline. Steps away. Yeah. 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 Very interesting guy, and uh, I thought there'd be big things coming from him, but. Uh, uh, he, he's going to go through a real challenge here. It says University or Liberty University announced plans last week to investigate Kaner's statements about his past. In light of the fact that several newspapers have raised questions, we felt it necessary to initiate a formal inquiry. Chancellor Jerry Falwell Jr. said. Now let me ask you this: Wait a minute. Is, because secular newspapers are raising questions, now they're willing to look into this issue. Well, they hired him as a president of their seminary. Sure. With with his very unique storyline, I would have thought they would have vetted that yeah. very very carefully. You would have thought so. To be head of a well, well, and the other the other thing that's interesting is, you know, Black Falwell, um, Falwell Senior admitted in no uncertain terms that Liberty University took money from the Worldwide Unification Church. So yeah, I mean that's kind of like, I don't know, if yeah, like a lot of good people rolled around in mud saying you're dirty. Yeah. Well, a lot of good people have been have been educated well there. But um, it's pretty sad when secular newspapers have to actually trigger the church to look at their own internal workings. Mm-hmm. Um, in recent years, Kaner has written about Islam for Nashville-based Lifeway Christian Resources mm. and for Baptist Press. Uh, two others you would feel would look into these claims. You, uh, you know, the, these are these are groups with lots of money, lots of resources, lots of ability to do investigative sure. work. But they tend not uh, well. But unlike us volunteers out there, they. They actually have a big financial stake in mm-hmm. making sure that they do things correctly. Yeah. Uh, he has spoken at the Tennessee Baptist Convention's pastor conference and at Two Rivers Baptist Church. He's also spoken at major Christian conferences and been a frequent guest of Christian broadcasters, including Richard Land, head of the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Uh, the Ethics and Religious Liberty guy who's also uh, part of the Council on Foreign Relations. Right. That right, guy? Right. Uh, yep. Yeah, an expert on ethics. Yes. Uh, Kaner did not respond to requests for an interview. Several Southern Baptist preachers who have supported him in the past, including Land and former Southern Baptist Convention President Paige Patterson, declined interview requests. Remember, this story is not from extreme liberal. No, this, this is from, from Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, you know, here in Nashville and Baptist country. In yeah. February, Kaner posted a statement on his website responding to his critics. That statement has since been taken off the site. I have never intentionally misled anyone. I'm sure I've made many mistakes in the pulpit in the past 20 years, and I'm sure I will make some in the future, he wrote. For those times where I misspoke, I said it wrong, scrambled words, or it was just outright confusing. I apologize and will strive to do better. Reverend Tim Guthrie, pastor of Arlington Baptist Church in Knoxville, who runs a website called SBC Today Blog, has repeatedly defended Caner. Guthrie, yeah, did not re- well, Guthrie did not return calls requesting an interview, but he did blog about Kaner after the university announced his investigation. I've yet to see anything that would lead me to be concerned that I was getting a con job from Dr. Ergen Kaner, he wrote. I can assure you that if I had, I would have not written as I have. Now, deciphering the truth about Kaner is not easy. According to court documents posted online by the bloggers, 
He was born in Stockholm, Sweden in 1966, where his father, who was Turkish, was a student. By 1970, the family moved to Ohio. This has been when he was four, mm-hmm. where his dad was active in a local mosque. Kaner's parents filed for divorce in 1977, with his mother awarded custody. Uh, so he'd been 11 at the time. His father wanted Kaner and his two brothers raised as Muslims. His non-Muslim mother objected. The court eventually ruled that the father could take the boys to the mosque when they visited him. Around 1982, Kaner went to a revival meeting at uh, Stelzer Road Baptist Church in Columbus, where he converted. Not long afterward, Kaner felt the call to preach. He graduated from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary and then served a series of small Baptist churches. That all changed after 911. Baptist churches began turning to him to make sense of Islam, you know, because now mm-hmm. we're all hating Islam. Yeah. Kill all okay. the Muslims. Kill all the Muslims. One of the first was Prestonwood Baptist Church, a 28,000-member congregation in Plano, Texas. At the time, Kaner had just started <coughs> teaching at a nearby Christian college. The sermon at Prestonwood was recorded. In it, Kaner describes growing up in Turkey. I was born in Sweden, raised in Turkey, and came to America in 1978, he told the congregation. Kaner went on to claim insider knowledge about radical Islam from living overseas. Here in America, jihad is theory. But where I come from, from Europe and the Middle East, jihad is sadly a fact of life. I was raised in it, he said. Whoa. So, uh, keep going. (laughs) Yeah. He told a similar story in November 2001 at First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida, where the then pastor, the Reverend Jerry Vines, uh, was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. At First Baptist, Kaner ridiculed Muslims who claimed that jihad was a term for internal struggle, not holy war. That claim was false, he said, claiming he was once a terrorist in training. What? Yeah, he was a terrorist. In Ohio? Or well, I don't know. His his dad just, left he when he was 11. He just fabricated the whole thing. Well, I, I don't want to say that. I, I can't see how I can add up to his terrorist. Sure. Until I was 15 years old, I was an Islamic, in the Islamic youth jihad, he said. Till I came to America, until I found Jesus Christ as Lord, I was trained to do that which was done on 11 September, as were thousands of youth. Kaner points to his background to argue that Islam is a violent religion, not a peaceful faith. That contrasts with Christianity, he told the Southern Baptist pastors at their national conference in 2004. And I guess that would have been a year after we'd invaded the Muslim country and had killed a lot of the civilians there. Mm -hmm. According to the Baptist Press, the Southern Baptist Official News Service, Kaner told preachers that Jesus saved him from being a suicide bomber. Jesus strapped a cross to his back so that I wouldn't have to strap a bomb to mine. Now, bloggers are suspicious. What? Kaner's story drew criticism after several bloggers, now, you know, these are volunteer people, okay, Mm -hmm. began probing his background. Mohammed Khan, a Muslim college student in London, came across videos of Kaner on the Internet. Kaner, he said, mispronounces common Arabic words and misrepresents Islamic teaching. What people need to understand is that we Muslims know our faith. So when a person comes along claiming to have once been a devout Muslim and then lies about our faith, we can spot it a mile away, Khan said in an email. Khan began posting his own videos on YouTube and his blog, FakeXMuslims.com, challenging Kaner's statements. Jason Smathers, a blogger and Baptist seminary student in Arizona, also noticed discrepancies in Kaner's story. After trying to contact Kaner with no success, Smathers wrote to officials in Ohio asking for public records about Kaner's parents' divorce. When he found those documents contradicted Kaner's story, he posted them online. 
Mm-hmm. He has a great story, Smathers said. I wish he'd just tell that story and stop where the facts end. Since becoming president of Liberty Seminary in 2005, enrollment has doubled, due in large part to Caner's charisma. And he's very charismatic. Yeah. He was close to the school's founder, the late Reverend Jerry Falwell. And he took pre- a bunch of money from the Uni- Worldwide Uni- Unitarian Church. <laughs> Unification. You, sorry. Uh, and preaches at Wednesday night service uh, for college students at Thomas Road Baptist Church, the congregation Falwell founded. The Reverend Jeremy Rose of the Axis Church in Nashville. I didn't know there was an Axis Church. Was that like, it's like, that like on the south side of town and you've got like, I, I don't the know. Allies up here. I don't know. <laughs> it's I, it's an interesting name of a church. Yeah. Um, don't know anything about it. Attended Liberty, now run by Falwell's sons, Jerry Jr. and Reverend Jonathan Falwell. Which, by the way, that, I'm sure they could listen here to our show. So, I'm sure. Uh, our, our, interesting. Uh, like, we have to look up the yeah, Axis Church. Give our best to the, to the, the uh, folks Axis, at Axis Church. Axis Powers. Yeah. Pastor of Thomas Road Baptist. Rose believes the Falwells need to sort this out quickly. If the acquisitions are true, he said, then the Falwell boys have their hands full. Uh, yeah. But the Reverend Jamal Jivanji, another Liberty graduate, said he still supports Kaner. Jivanji, he recently re- relocated from Franklin to Orlando, Florida, is also a Christian convert from Islam. As a child, he went to the same mosque as Kaner's family. Kaner's dad was a leader there, and the Kaners were considered devout. Jivanji said children in the mosque were taught animosity toward Christian teachings and to distrust Christians. God has no son, their teachers taught them. But Jivanji said that none of his religious teachers at their mosque advocated violence. As far as killing anyone, no one taught me to commit murder, he said. Hmm. Jivanji said he is withholding judgment about Kaner. He believes Kaner has done a great deal of good in educating churchgoers about Islam. I have no reason to disbelieve him, he said. Well, that's so, a tough one. That you know, tough one. Um, we'll probably never ever be important enough that anybody even care about you and me. Mm-hmm. But um, if well, we why were... Why that big truck out there with all the antennas parked? Yeah, well, they a slow day for them. Yeah. But if it were, we would want to be treated... Sure. ...in a fair way until things come out, and we need to do the same thing with Brother Kaner. I think you're right. However, if this was something that was an easy thing to dismiss, mm-hmm. all it would be is just a quick statement on a, on a website would... In other words, to verify his claims, it would be really simple for him to be able to verify those claims mm-hmm. and explain it in line with what the official documents are. But no such comment has been forthcoming. So he hasn't said anything. Yeah, that's tough. So um, here's, here's another point to remember. You, you have a case of a Muslim who is the one who's having to go pursue truth find out what the truth is. I feel I actually because the uh because the Christian leaders Yeah. Well, him and the didn't take act well later yeah, and then and then another Baptist seminary student, which ironically, they both are going in the same direction and the cause truth. Uh ironically. Um wish that would work about Jesus, but um interesting Why why do we not have a, a big infrastructure with all the resources they have to check this stuff out before people are set up on a pedestal. Oh, because never mind. But you know what? What was the story? What did it say? Things took off after nine one one. Yep. There was a message there that sold, and yep. it was a message. Yeah. Another reason that we had to, you know, that was it was like, wow, it's good yeah. to hate. It was a message that we don't uh, really mean that, but secretly we do. Is, uh, Islamic people all wanted to kill us, mm-hmm. and churches embraced that with open arms. That was a message of uh, an excuse to hate. Yes. So um, I'm afraid there'll be more of this. Now, it would be better if we vetted this stuff internally within the church 
before someone was put out front by major ministries than before secular groups have to point this out to us. So yeah. let that be a lesson. And, you know, our show, we can't, we don't have the resources to exhaustively vet every guest we have. And, in fact, we tell people ahead of time, this is not a teaching ministry. This is an education ministry. Uh, yeah, you're we supposed to listen and then make your own decisions. Make your own decisions. The information will be informative, uh, even if the fact you disagree with the guest, it may be. Yeah. Uh, we try to make that clear up front. But, you know, we don't have the resources. But, you know, what 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 is with our Christian establishment that they don't check, you know, whether it was like the Dominionist and the the stuff that we saw the you know May Day, we've got all of these people going with people who just have kooky backgrounds. Yeah, I I just well, uh, maybe it's just me, but it sometimes it feels like there's just like a little bit of a lack of accountability in the body of Christ. A little bit. Next story. Yeah, better read a story. <laughs> all right. Now again, let's just say. We don't know how that's all going to play. No, no. We may, we, can I do a little prayer for Brother Ergen? Sure, please. Heavenly Father, I just pray for Brother Ergen out there. Um, I believe he wants to serve you, Lord, uh, from from the best I can tell. Only you know each of our hearts, all of us. Lord, um, I pray that your name will be lifted up uh, in all of this. Somehow that uh, it will be in a way that will bring you glory and how it's handled and resolved. Lord, I pray for... Uh, Brother Ergen and his family, Lord, I just pray that uh, if there is something that was misleading there, that he would deal with it, be upfront about it, uh, take the appropriate measures, Lord, and we move on. And if it's a totally unjust and unfair accusation, I would pray that uh, he would find the means by which to dismiss it and move on. Hmm. Lord, I pray for our leadership in our churches. Uh, this goes for all of us, Lord, including us and our role here, that we we would have more discretion and be more circumspect. Uh, and that we not rush just to people who say what we want to say, Lord. And we know we're vulnerable to that, too. Mm-hmm. But, Lord, we just pray that uh, we, we could raise the standards further. And, Lord, I just pray for uh, all the people who might be jaded by hearing stories like this, that it would not impede them from coming to a saving faith in you. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sorry about that, bro. That's okay. Took no. up a lot of time. Hit it. Boy. Boy, no kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, um, let's see. Christian preacher arrested for saying homosexuality is a sin. Uh, this is from the Telegraph, so okay. obviously it's the UK. Uh, Dale McAlpine was charged with causing harassment, alarm, or distress after a homosexual police community support officer overheard him reciting a number of quote unquote sins referred to in the Bible, including blasphemy, drunkenness, and same sex relationships. The 42 year old Baptist who has preached Christianity in Workington, Cumbria for years, said he did not mention homosexuality while delivering a sermon from the top of a stepladder, but admitted telling a passing shopper that he believed it went against the word of God. Um, let's see, oops. They, uh, they charged him with using abusive or insulting language contrary to the public order. Uh, Mr. McAlpine, who was taken to the police station in the back of a marked van and locked in a cell for seven hours on April 20th, said the incident was among the worst experiences of his life. Now, this is in, I just want to make sure this is clear in case I was snoozing. What? This was in England, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, definitely in England. Okay. Coming here soon, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, my freedom was taken away on the hearsay of someone who disliked what I said, and I was charged under a law that doesn't apply. Never mind. Already here. Yeah. Christian campaigners have expressed alarm that the Public Order Act, in, introduced in 1986 to tackle 
tackle violent rioters and football hooligans is being used to curb religious free speech. Sam Webster, a solicitor advocate for the Christian Institute, which is you know pretty much like mm-hmm. a lawyer, uh, who is supporting Mr. McAlpine, said it is not a crime to express the belief that homosexual conduct is a sin. The police have a duty to maintain public order, but they have also a duty to defend the lawful free speech of citizens. Case law has ruled that orthodox Christian belief that homosexual conduct is sinful is a belief worthy of respect in a democratic society. Mr. McAlpine was handing out leaflets explaining the Ten Commandments uh, or offering a quote-unquote ticket to heaven with a church colleague on April 20th when a woman came up and engaged him in a debate about his faith. During the exchange, he he says he quietly listened listed homosexuality among a number of sins referred to in 1 Corinthians, including blasphemy, fornication, adultery, and drunkenness. After the woman walked away, she she was approached by a PCSO who spoke to her with her briefly and then walked away. That's a a PCSO, was mentioned earlier. It's a police community support officer. Got it, okay. uh, Who spoke with her briefly and then walked over to Mr. McAlpine and told him a complaint had been made and that he could be arrested for using racist or homophobic language. The street preacher said he told the PCSO, I am not a homophobic, but sometimes I do say that the Bible says homosexuality is a crime against the Creator. Mm-hmm. Um, he claims that the PC- PCSO said, then said that he was a homosexual and identified himself as a lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender liaison officer for the Cumbria Police. Uh, Mr. McAlpine replied, it's still a sin. <laughs> wow, guys, mm-hmm. like holding it out there. The preacher then began a 20-minute sermon in which he says he mentioned drunkenness and adultery, but not homosexuality. Three regular uniformed police officers arrived during the address, arrested Mr. McAlpine, and put him in the back of a police van. At the station, he was told to empty his pockets and his mobile phone, belt, and shoes were confiscated. Police took finger, fingerprints, a palm print, a retina scan, and a DNA swab. He was later interviewed, charged under Section 5-6 of the Public Order Act, and released on bail. Uh, Mr. McAlpine pled, pled not guilty... Um, on and on and on. Wow. Yep. The religious persecution. Yep. Right there in Christ- right there in good old mm-hmm. Yeah. Christian the place Britain. where we came from. Yep. The modern West, Christian West. Oh gosh, look at that. Isn't Europe awesome with all of their modernity? Yeah, the Christian Woo! the Christian West. Oh, I tell you, you read stories from over in the UK, if religion comes up, it is very depressing. I mean yeah. this place seems like uh a panacea compared to where England is right now, but wow. again, we're going that way. Panacea, yeah, that like you, you want to share flat about sandwiches? Uh, pan, tell you a little panacea right here, real quick, as right. we go. Yeah. Um, did you hear that uh, the Tea Party Nation group, you know, which I think is based out of Nashville here, yeah. is holding a convention in Las Vegas in July, and they've asked Lou Dobbs uh, to speak at it. Uh, so it's going to be July fifteenth through seventeenth, and in. Joseph Ferrer and Andrew Breitbart, you know, the guy who used to do a drudge, yeah. who was speaking there. Who now does, like, Breitbart News or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I went and looked over at their site. Uh, it's called the National Tea Party Unity Convention. I was looking at their schedule. They have a lot of other speakers that are still coming. But I thought there were some interesting sessions they were having. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was uh, the Leadership Institute Part 1 Uh Obama's plan to subvert the Constitution built an imperial presidency by Clint Blackwell. Then, how to raise $50,000 in 90 days for your two-party group by Richard Viguery. Do you remember his name? That sure sounds familiar. He, he pops up everywhere. He was one of the founders of the Council of National Policy. His, his main thing oh. is raising lots of money. 
he can raise lots of money for related groups. And he, he founded that group and a lot of the other bright groups that we talk about uh, yeah. on there. But now he has found his way into this group Tea party. Uh, to, to do this, yeah. Uh, and they have things like Achieving Unity. Um, Neil Bortz will be speaking there. Um, Losing Our Religion by S.E. Cup. Uh, That's an odd thing to have at a political. Yeah. Here's the one I don't understand. Uh, Collaboration in the cloud. I I don't know quite what that means. Hmm. Um, So anyway, this is another interesting group to follow. But I was was looking over, and I know we're coming to the last couple of minutes, but can I just share real quick something I saw? If you go over to generals.org, that is the general site of Prophetess Cindy Jacobs. You remember we talked about the New Apostolic Reformation? Oh, you were here last week, right? Yes, I, yeah. Uh, well, in spirit, maybe. Look up, look up that site and and click on something called uh, Fifty Two Root, or Root Fifty Two, R O O T. We're talking about a new effort to bring America back to its covenant roots. Do you know what that means? We made a covenant with God, or something. Covenant roots. Well, the only thing I could find on their website was a a PDF file of Prophetic Words on Covenant Roots by Chuck Pierce. And this was a, a dream or a, uh, a vision that God gave him. Mm-hmm. It said that God or he began to show me this entire nation state by state by state. He began to show me how each state had a covenant root or didn't have a covenant root. He showed me the demonic structure in each state. Then he showed me its state and what they look like through the eyes of the spiritual realm. Um, I'm scooting through here. He showed me the glory movement. It looked like a fire that began to move. Every state had a glory movement in it. Some states, though, were so dark that even though they had a covenant root, the world had been destroyed and were cast with dark tentacles. Every state had contending thrones in it, thrones of evil that had been erected. Every state had thrones that would have to be overturned. In most states were these circles, and it looked like they were encased and they were blazing with fire. Some states did not have these. I said, Lord, what in the world is that? He said, those are freedom outposts that I will be creating for the future. That's very interesting. Well, they'll be setting in fire. Based on, you know, based on uh, my sort of studies in the prophetic word, God never speaks and explains stuff to people. He always uses other intermediaries to do it. Uh, You've been studying that a lot. I know you're working on some stuff. Well, he talks about uh, these things that are going to be set on fire and that he's going to be creating these freedom outposts. <laughs> he says, I would uh, see this glory movement attached to the freedom outpost. In other words, this movement of fire that was going on. There was a movement going on in every state, and each movement had to connect to these freedom outposts. And actually, the easiest way to understand that would be the church structure for the future, that this would be the church structure for the future, these freedom what? outposts. Uh, when that movement uh, would enter into these freedom outposts, it was immediate transformation. People would go into these freedom outposts, and they would transform. Their bodies would transform. Their cells would realign. These places were so filled with freedom and spiritual force, this is what God has created, that they no longer looked like anything we knew church-wise. They were so filled with the vibrancy, the power, and glory of God, that people, whenever they would go in, would come out and be seven times brighter. As they would come through the Freedom Outpost. Okay, well, that's obviously... So, uh, anyway, I suggest uh, you take a look at it. He says, I saw a triumphant reserve that was being held for a time such as this, that had been on the shelf or being called forth. And this reserve, their strength of position in each state in America. Uh, he says, I showed me the reserve and their war for the future in the nations of the earth, God's inheritance. He honored by giving me a glimpse of the 153 sheep nations in the earth that the angels were contending over. So they are planning war, and it sounds like physical war. That's not just spiritual war. No, that's like 
and it's going to involve fire and transformation of people. And I recommend people read Revelation chapter 8 to uh, see what happens to a group of people like that when wow. wood comes down. Yeah, very scary. So, I'm sorry. I, sorry I rattled off. Yeah. I thought, get out I thought Ergen Caner was important. It was. Some, something else important is Merv can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Let's hit it. Gotta go. Ladies and gentlemen, come back next week. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake.